Hi, welcome to Meraki Unboxed. Uh, my name is Simon Thompson, and I'm going to host a session today. Uh, very excited to get into talking about uh, one of our products here at Cisco Meraki. Uh, before we get into that, just a quick uh, reminder for those of you who are new to the podcast. We've been running this for a little while now, and we've got some great episodes in the bag already talking about some of our products. We talked to our general manager about uh, our mantra of simplicity. We've talked to the head of product management uh, here at Cisco Meraki. And today, uh, we're going to get into a software-based product that has really had a very interesting story and background. So we wanted to unpack that a little bit for you. So with the Meraki Unbox podcast, um, your feedback definitely drives how this looks. So we definitely want to hear from you. And uh, if you have feedback you'd like to hear about anything we do here, either professionally with the products or the features, uh, or even with the way in which we do things, the way we're organized as a business, uh, that's what we're here to talk about. So we'd love to get your inputs. And you can feedback to us via the community site. That's community.meraki.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, at Meraki Simon. And that's a great way to give me direct feedback so we can get that implemented as quickly as we can. Okay, so we get into the episode for today. And I've actually got uh, two fine gentlemen in the room today representing product management and engineering for this product we're talking about. We call it Meraki Insight. And here to talk about Meraki Insight, I'm going to start off with Nathan. Nathan is uh, an engineering manager here at Cisco Meraki. Hi, Nathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Simon. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Um, you are a busy man, so we've got about 20 minutes of Nathan's time because he's, uh, he's normally super busy coding. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your history pre-Meraki and during your time at Meraki. What's, uh, what, what fires you up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my background is actually in physics, of all things. I uh, got a doctorate in physics uh, way back when. Uh, stayed around in academics for quite a while looking at uh, this field called quantum optomechanics. Uh, it doesn't turn out to have much relation have to engineering. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I left academics, uh, one of my major motivations was thinking about how I could take the skills I had and have a more direct impact on the world. And that's how I end up in the software engineering industry. I worked at an IoT company for a while, mm -hmm. uh, making garage door openers, fridges, Whoa. the like, uh, temperature sensors, all the kind of bells and whistles. That, that must have uh, been early IoT, right? When, when was that? Yeah, that was about 2013. Okay. Yeah, so the leading edge. Was uh, it even called IoT at that time? It was, it yes. It was already uh, called yep. it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's cool because the space has really exploded in the intervening time. Uh, it turns out, there's a lot of similarities, right, between networking and IoT, right? There's these devices you have in your space, and uh, they can learn things about your environment mm -hmm. and what's going on. And I think kind of the relationship between that world and something like Meraki Insight is taking the data that's just kind of naturally describing the world you're in, right, uh, you know, if you have a temperature sensor, it may say, hey, this room's this temperature, this room's this temperature. Uh, if you have networking equipment, it might say, hey, these people are really trying to do this thing uh, and it's going well or it's not. Taking those data and turning them into something that provides some sort of value to you so as a user. There's definitely a thread here that I'm hearing. So yeah. you, you had, you've had this interest in technology and how we in the real world can interact with it as a kind of a thread 
that you've kind of continued. So when did you actually join Meraki? How long ago was that now? Right. So that was, uh, I think, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, what have you been doing for Meraki since then? Right. So I uh, have been working uh, as an engineer dealing with large scales of data, right? Uh, here at Meraki, I think we have something like 5 million devices out in the That's wild. Right. Yep. Uh, each of those devices may be saying in a minute uh, on the order of 100 interesting things. Uh, and that's just an enormous quantity of data when you look at it, right? That's something on the order of tens of billions of messages mm. a day that we're collecting. Uh, so turning all that data, which is just raw signal, into something actionable is something I've been working on since I've been here. I've worked on uh Geolocation, uh, presence analytics, if anyone's used that on the wireless mm. side. Um, I could say before a lot of people have. That's yeah. a hugely <laughs> popular feature. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so uh, I guess one of the interesting things about the product we're talking about today is it's a little bit of an evolution for Meraki in the sense that uh, we've been focused on getting network infrastructure really nailed and getting the cloud management architecture uh, nailed. And I think we did that. We achieved that quite a few years ago now. Um, Really what we wanted to do, I think, was move past physical products into the experiences that people are having. Um, Maybe give us some some of your thoughts around how we made this evolution from if you like a hardware-based product to something which is a little bit more experiential. Yeah, that's right. So one thing we noticed is uh, we have uh, a NetFlow kind of exporter on Mm -hmm. our devices, right? Um, And people would set these up, and it's really goes against the grain of Meraki, right? You'd have to build some sort of collector in your system. You would have to VPN this data out uh, into some sort of processing system, uh, that you set up separately from Meraki mm-hmm. uh, with its own dashboard, its own configurations. And this, and, is, this is data which you, you is telemetry effectively around how effectively your network is operating. How would you describe? That's that? right. It can it can be all sorts of data. Um, it could include things about security. It could include things about uh, performance, user behavior, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of as we'll probably get into a little bit later, uh, we've really decided to narrow in on the one that seems to matter the most to our customers. Mm-hmm. A big open question when we start looking at what people were doing with this, right, is what the heck did people actually want right. from yes. these data? Um, you know, I think early on we maybe bet wrong. We said, hey, uh, it's going to be some sort of forensic discovery mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then I think we realized that what was really kind of burning our network administrators was trying to actually troubleshoot network problems in an end-to-end manner uh, right. all the way from the client device to the server in some back-end data center, yeah. um, you know, they may not even own the thing that's running in that server. You may be using something like Office 365. Right. And then you get a phone call that says, hey, my Office 365 is running slowly. And there's, a, there's a couple of interesting things there. Because, uh, I mean, first of all, I, I was a network engineer once myself. And yep. so I remember this troubleshooting challenge. And I remember being flooded with vast amounts of information and trying to make sense of it all, picking out what I would actually make an impact and to help me resolve the, the challenge that I had. So, you, you know, we've got we've had syslog. We've got, as you right. mentioned, NetFlow. Um, you know, th- these are... This is fine. The information's in there somewhere, but it's the time that the engineer's spending to try and get their problem resolved that's really the challenge that we're trying to help with here, right? Yeah, exactly. I think what we'd see a lot of times is just getting the data into a place where it was stored was difficult. Uh, Retaining those data 
were difficult, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, you may have some contract that you may have seven days of storage or two days of storage and uh, setting that up and figuring out where you're going to put the data is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, then how do you analyze those data, right? I think a lot of times you'll see people going just to very simple metrics and statistics because it's, you know, you're not a network performance engineer, right? You're a network engineer. Right. You want someone else to have done that for you. Right, um, right. You're not going to sift through a bunch of papers trying to figure out how to analyze your data. Um, yeah, and then, you know, how do I even find the data that correlate to the problem I'm looking at, right? right. Um, you know, someone calling you on the phone is also just a terrible experience for learning about a problem, right? For sure. They're not, uh, always, they're not always the most calm at that point either. Right, right exactly. Uh, you know, these people are angry. They don't have the right information to tell you. Um, they're not necessarily the right people. I mean, that person calling you on the phone could be uh, something, could have something to do with like one single user of guest Wi-Fi. It could be an entire office being down, right? It still just looks like a phone call to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other interesting aspect, and you, you started to talk about this, is that, you know, our customers unquestionably have been moving their, their data services. Uh, when I started in my career, you had a data center. It was a room on site with your servers in it. Now, of course, they've moved. They've gone all over the place. And now we have this, uh, I think Cisco loves this term multi-cloud, yep. where you have all these different sources of your data and your users in different places. One of the ways I describe that is we've sort of atomized the whole situation. And so we wanted to try to figure out how to maintain a great uh, user experience as well as helping IT uh, with this product. So let's let's talk about a little bit of the drivers for um, for, for this product we decided to call Meraki Insight. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I think exactly like you're talking about, right? We have uh, these customers who are managing increasingly more complex environments. Um, and at the same time, they have this flood of data uh, that's very difficult to deal with. So the big question, right, is can you connect that flood of data to giving people reasonable, actionable insights right. uh, about the systems they care about? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the challenge we've been addressing. Um, so you know, we realized we'd have to build a system that would automate the data collection for you that was going to be super simple. Right. Uh, there's no installing a collection device in each single site, establishing a VPN tunnel, setting up, uh, you know, your cloud storage contract, storing the data, building a Spark cluster, figuring out what to run that Spark cluster. None of that's something that you need to do. Uh, instead, we're going to do all that for you. And right. it's going to be as simple as clicking a button to turn, right. turn on the system. So no, no network taps. That kind of thing. No, I exactly. think this is. Uh, I mean, I'm sure many many of our listeners will have had some experience with this kind of thing. But ultimately, we're talking about being able to analyze the traffic that's moving through our network to help us understand it to either troubleshoot a problem or to to focus on that experience that we're having. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's one of the the interesting ones. That the simplicity f- factor with Meraki plays into it, this as well, doesn't it? I think we we're always trying to get that that balance right. How do you see? our approach comparing to what came before it? Sort of how have we moved the game forwards? Right. I think there's a couple big differences. Uh, so before you were kind of stuck uh, in two worlds. One is a world where you would spend an inordinate amount of money uh, and buy a packet sniffer. Right. Uh, this packet sniffer might have something like a 100 terabyte hard drive on it. It would live in a corner of your office somewhere, uh, and it would run 
kind of bespoke analysis mm-hmm. for your system and probably cost upwards of $100,000. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, kind of on the other side, you would have very kind of what I what we're starting to see is simplistic uh, kind of scheduled pings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd, maybe it's a, a box or a VM you'd install in the system. Still something you have to set up, right? You have to figure out where you're going to plug this box in uh, or where you're going to install this virtual machine mm-hmm. uh, that then is just going to go and ping a few things for you. Um, and so on one hand, you have this very uh, you know, complex system which sees everything. Right, it sees every single uh, problem that any person on your network has. Right, um, but is super complicated, expensive, uh, difficult to deal with. On the other hand, you have the system which is possibly too simplistic, uh, and we kind of wanted to find the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and so what we have done is build a collector which does analyze every packet, uh, but does it in a way that kind of uses. Uh, a little bit of finesse to reduce the data information that we need to collect allows us to move those reduced data up to the cloud right. uh, where we can store them uh, and we automate that whole system for you so you don't have to set up the collector, uh, the cloud storage, right? Uh, it just comes with the license. So we've actually, we're performing the same kind of trick that we've done elsewhere in our portfolio where we're just eliminating boxes. Left, right, and center, yep, exactly. we're eliminating boxes. We did this with wireless controllers. We've done it with the network video recorder on the camera. And this is just another example of that, really. Yep, exactly. Yep, and I think that's uh, that, that, that's a huge benefit that uh, our customers can have because it's easy to underestimate the the effort that goes into setting up all these servers, You know, whether it's the simplistic ICMP-based solution or whether it's the highly sophisticated $100,000 version. Somebody's got to think about that. Somebody's got to spend time, They've got to license, if it, if it is the expensive box, they've got to license that, power that, all the rest of it. And we're talking about here something which is integrated into uh, a system which people already know with Meraki, right? Yep, exactly. You have your Meraki equipment, uh, and it's as simple as saying this box now is licensed with Meraki Insight, and everything just flows from there. Okay. And so let's let's break down what uh, Meraki Insight actually does for our customers. So they're, they're, we've touched on some of the, the – the, we've painted a picture, if you like, of, of the scenarios where we see yep. it being used. Um, but let's let's walk through an example. So let's imagine yeah, exactly. that uh, customers having a problem uh, on their network. Where do they start with this? Right. So I think the kind of experience that most of our customers will find the most useful is – an alert-based system, right? Uh, it's one thing to kind of have to monitor a system and maybe have a knock wall or something uh, and come in and touch the system all the time. Uh, but I think people are way too busy for that, right? right? Uh, what you really want is an alert that pings uh, either your integration system or gives you an email that says, hey, we're seeing a problem. Uh, our alerts will say this problem is affecting this scope, right? So we might say, it's these three applications that you use heavily. It's on a hundred of your thousand networks. So that's the first round of it, right? Mm-hmm. Just saying, hey, here's a problem, right? Right. Um, so great. Now I told you there's a problem. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to go now and sift through millions of lines of NetFlow, right, to figure out what to do. Um, now there's a huge array of problems in this world that can be very complicated. 
what we've concentrated on is figuring out where to focus your energy, right? We can't immediately be experts in every single problem in the world, but what we can do is help you narrow it down and figure out which of the phones to, on your desk to pick up, right? So do you call a local site administrator? Do you call the internet service provider? Do you call your data center? Do you call your application service provider? So we can answer this question for you. Right. So we're actually finding the source of the – or the source is not the right word, but the, the actual location where the problem is centered. Right. We help you figure out who the expert is that needs to be paying attention to the problem. Okay. And as we, as we discussed earlier, that could be an employee on site or it could be uh, a third party that we're relying on to, to maintain the great service we're using. Exactly. Okay. And so you mentioned that there's a storage element to this as well, which, uh, which helps us over time, I assume, to, to sort of build up a picture. How do we, how do we use that storage to inform uh, the, the, the product's advice to the network engineer? I'm not sure I worded that question very well. Does that make sense? Uh, sure. I mean, I think there's a couple of questions to be answered there. Um, right. So how can we use historical data mm. to kind of help you look at certain problems, right? right? Um, so, you know, one thing we do is show the trends in your system and allow you to make comparisons in your system between places that aren't having problem, problems, places that are having problems. How has this network looked in the past mm -hmm. compared to how it's looking now, right? Is this a problem that's happening every day at 9 a.m., mm -hmm. right? right? Or is it just today? Um, we actually use that when we're deciding how to send you alerts, uh, we don't really want to tell you, give you 50 emails saying, hey, this problem just keeps happening, mm -hmm. right? Uh, instead, we like to send you one alert that says, you have a persistent problem, right? Right. Um, I think other things we're looking at, which may be a little more speculative, is how can we start to draw inferences from across the world? Uh, so we want to take data and really just anonymize them mm -hmm. entirely, mm -hmm. right? And start to think of saying, hey, can we identify... This application has a problem. This internet service provider has a problem. Um, I think it's something we want to be really careful about, right? Because we really want to make sure we're protecting your data yep. when we do this. Uh, so we're treading carefully into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And we have we have this deployed on site here as well at uh, headquarters, don't we? Uh, yep, definitely. So we, this is one of the things I love here. We are always um, – well, what's the favorite phrase? I think eating our own dog food is definitely one of them, right? Right. But we like to make sure that we're – we're testing out all this functionality first. So when, when we think about the development of this product, as it was going through its incubation phases, you know, what were what were some of the things that you discovered that really helped to help to shape the final outcome? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, guaranteeing the performance of your network is just something you have to do, right? Uh, and we had before the development of this product been using other systems uh, and finding them so difficult to work with uh, that. You know, so much energy was going into setting them up, uh, analyzing their results that we weren't really getting anything clear mm -hmm. or useful out of them. All right. Uh, but now we can go add MI to our system and we can see immediately when, you know, the Sydney office is having a problem with its ISP. And, right. you know, things we've seen. It's enormously valuable. It's so, it's so easy to talk about this stuff, but the, the, I think the, ch the, the change, the benefit that we bring into our customers is pretty enormous here. And, and actually, what I'd like to do now is uh, I'd like to bring in the, the product manager for, for Meraki Insight uh, so to talk about some of that and sort of some of his experiences talking to customers about the product as well. Nathan, thanks very much for taking some time out of your day to come and chat with us. Um, 
I know that Nathan's a big fan of a good cup of coffee first thing in the morning. That's where I often bump into you, right? Definitely. Yeah. So I'll see you up there uh, probably tomorrow morning. All right. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's been awesome. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Um, Shashwat, so I want to get some of the uh, some of your perspective on this as well. But uh, before we get into that, tell us what you do for Meraki. Hey, Simon. So uh, hello, everyone. I'm Shashwat. I'm the product manager for, for Meraki Insight. And uh, the way I look at my role at Meraki, uh, as, as the person who's leading the product team, uh, my goal is to stay as close to the customer as possible and make sure every part of the organization here at Meraki is giving what I call as 11-star service to our customers. Be it product development, be it sales, uh-huh. be it support, be it marketing, everything we want to do from a customer-first perspective to make their lives as simple as possible. So that's a that's a big mission statement you've given yourself right there. Uh, when I first met Shashwat, uh, as he as he came into Meraki, he the first thing he wanted to do he heard my accent, and uh, and assumed that I was a big sports fan. I know you are a big sports fan, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's right. So my favorite sport is is tennis. I I'm not into cycling yet. Oh, uh, yet. Uh, it's a big thing in this area. So yes, that's what you're saying, uh, right? but uh, um, I. Try to be on the court at least three, four times a week uh, oh. as much as the job and my family allows me to. And there was a time when I used to play uh, at an amateur level. These days I try to play tournaments, but uh, every year it, the body start, you know, refuse, <laughs> refuse, refuses to cooperate just a little bit more. You just have to work a bit harder, right? Yeah, yeah. So who's your hot tip for uh, Wimbledon this year? Uh Unfortunately, it's very hard to look beyond Federer. I'm not a big Federer fan. Oh, really? I think it's too easy to support him. Plus, my wife is a big fan, so there has to be some competition in the family. <laughs> so I personally like Nadal, but I don't think he has a chance at Wimbledon. Mm. It'll all, uh, this is coming up pretty soon. In fact, by the time yeah. this goes out, it's quite possible that it's already happened and we'll, we'll already know who the champion is. So. Yeah, as of, as of right now, the French Open is going on. So I think uh, Nadal has a very good possibility of winning the French Open. We have to be careful we don't turn this into a tennis podcast session. I, although I'm a big fan myself, you see, so it'd be very yeah. easy for that to happen. Um, okay, let's get back to Shashwat. So tell us about your background as well, how you came to, uh, you know, what you did in your earlier parts of your career and how you came to, to join us here at Meraki. So I like to believe that uh, there is no set path for, for people in product management uh, because product management is not something that is taught in schools. Like typically if you are in... Engineering, if you've studied engineering in schools, you go on to become a software engineer. Mm-hmm. But there's no course for product management. So everyone, I, every product manager I've met has his or her unique path into, into their profession. Interesting. Okay. So my path is quite unique from other people, and I don't think I've met anyone else uh, who shares my path. So I, I studied software engineering in, in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first job straight out of school was on Wall Street. Wow. I'm learning new things here on yeah. the fly. This is fun. Yeah, it was, it was actually on Wall Street. So this was back in the day when Wall Street was growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. And they used to hire a lot of computer scientists to work on these big systems. Um, the, the goal behind all these big systems was, okay, uh, we want technically qualified people who will be building these big systems 
um, and the goal of these big systems is to create is to eventually invest client money automatically into big sophisticated products mm. so there was a lot of compute and a lot of storage involved and that's why uh, there were many teams back in the day which used to hire people such as myself uh and i don't think this happens anymore because of obvious changes that have happened to the industry right, since right yep but to cut a long story short my first job was in london in 2007 on wall street or as they say in london in the the square mile the city yeah. the city the square mile mm-hmm. and within 6 months the financial crisis happened and things blew apart so by some miracle of nature my entire team was fired my company was acquired by bank of america and i still had a job so i hung around for a few years uh, eventually i decided that i want to learn more about business and i found my way through to business school after which i i joined cisco uh spent a little bit of time at Cisco on on the strategy group mm-hmm. obviously worked a while quite a bit uh with with Meraki as part of uh leading strategy projects for Cisco and along the way I, I encountered the the inside team which was very much in its infancy yes. at the time there were only two people right. so i was literally person number 3 and um i i really liked the the vision of the team and i thought my background of of working on software engineering and the business strategy side of things lent myself very nicely to being a pm um also i had worked on in in undergrad um as well as in the early part of my job i had worked quite a bit on the networking side of things from a technical perspective okay so yeah so i mean angle in there as well yeah so the stars seem to align and uh, yeah. I, i i took the role and it's been a it's been a very interesting uh, you know almost 2 years i think since yep i think it's about that yeah and it's uh, uh, you mentioned this uh, you said you were person number 3 yeah. uh on on this product we we call Meraki Insight and i i think uh, one of the things that's that's not so well understood outside of Meraki is the scale that we're sometimes doing some of these projects at and and the number of engineers we have in these early stages this furious period of rapid development of the product. So what did it feel like coming into that environment with uh, with such a tiny team? Exactly what you just articulated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh um when you are really operating at the scale Meraki does but at the same time you only are working with a uh, an engineering team that only has like one or two people, you really have to distill the problem down to the bare bones and pick things that you are reasonably sure well not reasonably sure you're definitely sure mm-hmm. will will move the needle right right so a lot of the early part of of my time here went into speaking to dozens and dozens of customers i like to believe that uh, in the first year we sp- we have, the product team um, must have spoken to at least 400 people 400 wow. unique customers okay so a lot of the time went into really distilling down to the bare bones down to the bare essentials what the customer problems that we were dealing with mm-hmm. um and picking the the most important nuggets that we we ultimately chose to solve right and so that that's i mean really you can't think of a better way of incubating a product than by getting that kind of level of feedback but it sounds like i mean and Nathan obviously talked about this as well 
we've, we pretty quickly identified the real pain points that the customers were hearing. Um, can you illustrate any sort of real examples where, uh, where, you know, how these problems were manifesting themselves, how they were brought to us by the customers? You know, what, how were they expressing them? Yeah, the, the great question. So my fa personal favorite problem is an unnamed customer. Um, let me give you a bit of a background into the customer. They have around 1,800 locations in wow. the in 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 the continental U.S. Okay, and at every location they had uh, uh, two uplinks. Mm -hmm. One was a fixed broadline broadband uplink, and the second one was an LTE uplink as a backup. Okay. They this, were already Meraki customers at the time. Yes, I they were. So they were, they were the already. MX yes, product. absolutely. There was yeah. already Meraki customers. They were using MX sixty fours and sixty fives, and one day. Uh, the the lead network engineer there called me up and said, hey, um, I know you're working on this product and I know what your vision is, but I'd love to know if the problem that I'm facing right now could be solved as part of this vision because mm -hmm. I think it might be able to. And I was like, okay, I'm all I'm I'm all ears. Go on, tell me what's <laughs> uh, what's going on. And it turns out that strange as it might sound. He was having a real hard time knowing which of their locations were using LTE and which of their locations were not being able to use LTE. Hmm. The first case was a problem because LTE, as you know, is an expensive um, service. For sure. Everyone, it's, it's, it's paradoxical in a sense that everyone needs it, but nobody wants to use it. Right. Right, because everyone needs it as a backup, but if you use it, means you're spending a lot of money in data plans and such. Yeah. Right. So the first problem that he wanted to solve was he wanted to know at any point which of their locations are using LTE, which means there's something wrong with their other deployments. Okay, that's the assumption that you went in with, right? So it that's should right. be it should be that it's just a backup and it's expensive that's right. if it that's becomes right. primary. So that's right. What's going on here? Right. So he the first thing that he wanted to know was which of my sites are down and why am I using LTE in those locations? Right. Simple enough. Okay. The second problem was there were some instances in which he did not have LTE connectivity, right? And he had no idea why. Was it a case, his, his idea was maybe it's because I'm not getting a good signal in those places. Maybe it's because I'm not getting a... a I've not paid my bills, my data bills. Mm -hmm. Like, what's what's going on? I, I I just need a higher level of visibility into why I I don't have connectivity. Mm -hmm. So this ultimately snowballed into a much wider problem, which we eventually addressed as Van Health, which uh, you you know you obviously know a lot more about by now. Um, and the I, I might do, but I'm not sure our listeners do, all yeah. do. So maybe maybe we can. Yeah, get to that as well. At some yeah, point. yeah. So Van Health is is the the feature for MI which ultimately seeks to address this big problem that how can a customer that's running multiple sites and multiple uplinks at every site how can they get unprecedented visibility into what's driving network connectivity and what's driving uh, network utilization at every one of those locations. Right. So, so this that's is exactly what that that person was exactly, looking for. Exactly. Exactly. So. We spent a couple of months building this, and my favorite story that I like to tell people is that when we were beta testing this product, 
two or three months later with his customer. He looked at the Van Health screen and he saw uh, one site, only one site, where LTE was down. And his first reaction was, why is that down? That doesn't make any sense. This area typically has a good connection. Let me call this person up. So he called that store. He asked to be put in touch with the, 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 the manager of that store. Mm-hmm. And you know what was going on? The manager didn't even know that he was supposed to connect an LTE dongle into the MX. <laughs> it was just lying next to the MX in a tiny box. Right. Of course, it'll come up as red, right? That's not ideal. Yeah. yeah. So he had no idea he was supposed to put this dongle in. Uh, and, you know, this is the kind of visibility that you don't even need, know you need until you start using Miraki Insight. And there's really the, there's the up-down aspect of this. You know, yeah. is, do I have a connection or not? But there's also understanding what might have caused a failover to happen. I suspect that's probably an that's important right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Those are those are all the 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 typical use cases, right? When when is a network up-down? When is a network not performing well, even though it might not be down? Those are the the tradition the you know the traditional use cases. Mm-hmm. This is what I just said was one of the more unpredictable use cases, like mm-hmm. a customer not even knowing that a dongle has not been plugged in right. because they just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I thought I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> it's a remi- it definitely reminds me of my mantra when I was a network engineer back in the day. It was um, th- this was learned through lots of experience of uh, network issues that, that yeah. I had to figure out the answers to, and it was always start at the physical layer. Yeah, is it plugged in? Yeah, is it turned on? Yeah, <laughs> and it's amazing how many problems you can resolve. Absolutely, by getting folks there. Absolutely, unfortunately, um, a lot of our customers, um, you know, not all of them, especially the ones who are operating the business, are not all of them are technical, and this is really the the big problem Miraki is looking to solve. As as sure. as you know, right? Uh, we. It's our mission to help simplify technology to the extent, uh, to the extent possible, so that our customers can uh, be free to do the problems, pursue the problems that they are passionate about, mm-hmm. which is not physical layer connectivity. Right, and they and they are uh, I, the the example that you cited also the, the the guy who sat there in essentially a central location like a headquarters. One of the key things is they've got that visibility right out across potentially as many as eighteen hundred branches. Yeah. So they can actually, you know, really understand without uh, the individuals on the ground, as you say, may not be technical, uh, and you know they're busy focused on doing what they're meant to be doing. I'm, uh, I'm guessing this might be a retailer. If it was a retailer, then obviously they're busy out selling stuff, uh, managing the day to day of the store. They're, they don't want to be worried about these uh, these considerations so much. Yeah. Absolutely. This was this was a prime example of a problem which Miraki was uniquely positioned to solve. Right. So, so WAN Health is definitely one of the aspects. The other is the application health, right? Because there's various different stages that this tool is really helping us to dig into in more detail. So how do we go about doing that with an application? Let's say, I don't want to pick on one too much specifically, yeah. but you think about any favorite cloud application that we might be running. Uh, you know, what, what, what is it actually telling us on the on the interface? So the way I think about Miraki Insight generally is uh, there are two components, and these components are really based on how customers look at network problems. The vast majority of our network problems that uh, our customers deal with are they originate um, in the link from their premises to the ISP, which is what Van Health looks to address. Right. Right. I'd say, directionally speaking. 
I might be off by a little bit, but let's say 75% of, of, the, of the problems our customers face are addressed by Van Health. Right, and that's really interesting because uh, yeah. all the troubleshooting capabilities yeah. we had pretty much up to that point were all yeah. focused on the local area network. Absolutely. And of course, we move data off-site. Yeah. But, Increasingly, we need to have that inside there. But the, the critical aspect is what happens when the problem originates in a location uh, or in a link, which is not the link from the, the the customer premises to the ISP. Mm-hmm. Those problems typically are fewer than ISP problems, but they are far, far harder to solve. Because not only do you have to fix the problem, the first step is to figure out where the problem actually occurred. Right. And there's so many places that can the, 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 the fault can occur. Yep. So even though the problems, these kind of problems which do not originate in the, the direct last mile, even though they are much fewer than the, the ISP connectivity problems, they're just so much harder to solve. Right. And this is really the power of web app health. So my favorite example is Office 365 because uh, 50% of our customers use Meraki Insight to, to monitor Office 365. As, I mean, I don't, this, it's, it's fairly common knowledge that Office 365 is undergoing a, you know, a massive, massive wave right now, a massive wave of adoption. Yep. There are some estimates which say that uh, by the end of 2020, I think one in five corporate employees worldwide will be using Office 365. Oh, that's huge. I just thought that was a stunning, mind-blowing statistic. Yep. And that, that, that really undermines, or undermines, entirely wrong word, yeah. underscores the uh, the importance of being able to really understand how that application is performing because it's not on your desktop anymore. It's Absolutely. So uh, if it's purely a case of uh, a problem from your premises to the ISP, there's Van Health. But as with most Office deployments, Office 365 deployments, what if the the problem is anywhere from the isp down to the azure servers down to the microsoft data center mm-hmm. how do you pinpoint what the root cause of the problem is and once you've figured out what the root cause is how do you quickly notify your network engineers and your end users so that they can take appropriate steps to ensure that there is no loss of productivity right and this is really the question that that web app health is looking to address mm-hmm. And the and it gives you, I think, in the interface. I, I remember last time I looked at it. It gives you actually a, a a guide, essentially, as to what the problem is. The trending information is actually leveraged in human readable form. So, to Nathan's point earlier, where he was talking about you know not having to pile through pages and pages of logs and 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 outputs of that nature, you, you really do start to understand what your problem is likely to be. That's right. Um, our entire our goal when we were designing Web App Health was that the ultimate customer need is to figure out what the point of remediation is. And we simplified that into LAN, WAN, and server. So we tell a customer exactly where the root cause of the problem is. Mm -hmm. And secondly, we also give them steps to to figure out what what to do. In other words, how do you remediate once something has been diagnosed? And this is what we are trying to address longer term with whatever else that we build within within insight okay and i i think i think one of the real big aspects that i love about this obviously i'm a marketing guy so i love i love telling stories about how these products can come to life for customers for me this is ultimately about two things it's about accelerating the role of it so they can get their job done faster their troubleshooting done faster which obviously makes their bosses happy uh and it also 
ultimately shows a, a focus on the end user experience as well. Uh, what are people experiencing? Uh, is you know you, you get people calling up IT saying, "Hey, the network's slow or the internet's down." Uh, that, that's not uncommon, right? And uh, and we're able to really help get get way past that to 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 make sure that that user experience is as good as it can be. Yep, that's right. Um, I look at this as a user experience product first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Some of our competitors look at their uh, corresponding products as data science products or machine learning products. I am of the opinion that yes, we use data science, yes, we use machine learning, but all of that is incidental. It's it's a means to an end, right. and the end right. in this case is to guarantee user experience. Mm -hmm. So, which is why we tend to look at this product as a user experience product. Now, I, I know that you uh, you probably don't want to talk too much about what's coming down the, down the pipe, but tell us what your thinking is about how this thing grows from here. Uh, great question. So going back to what I just said, uh, I tend to think of this as a user experience product. Our goal is that networks should run in the background with minimal intervention. Mm -hmm. And there are two ways in which this can be solved. It's a sequence of two steps. First, you've got to identify the problems, and then you've got to fix the problems. Right. So we've made great leaps, great uh, strides in addressing the, the identifying problems side of things, mm -hmm. which is what I call as assurance. And over the next few months, we'll be adding more capabilities to, to identify even more problems than what we have right now. So just to give you, get you a flavor of things to come, mm -hmm. um, for example, problems in voice or video traffic. That is one right. big use case that we have heard Real -time from. Traffic. Exactly. Yeah. One, that's one big um, and very interesting problem that we have heard from customers. And that's, that'll, you know, that's something that we are working towards. Mm -hmm. um, and secondly, once you have identified all the various different problems that can affect a network, it's not a big leap of faith to start thinking about automatically fixing them not oh. just not just not just give uh, a f a suggestions of a few steps to take to remediate but actually fixing them automatically in real time mm. so obviously this is a grand and lofty vision and it'll be very interesting to see how much of this we're actually able to address but that is really what the eventual goal of the product is how can we use the power of the miraki full stack to identify as many problems as possible in real time, mm -hmm. and hopefully some days take steps towards making a network truly self-healing and self-driving. I think that's, I mean, that has to be the holy grail for uh, for, for networks. And, um, you know, if you're a network engineer, you might be thinking, well, I mean, I've, I, I enjoy this stuff. I like fixing all these problems. Yeah. But but ultimately, we're all ser we're serving a business. We're, we're trying to keep that business uh, healthy and and. and operational 100% of the time. And this is, you know, automation is inevitably going to, to move us closer to that, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and it's not like we're the only ones who are thinking about this, right? It's yeah. everywhere right now. This is the, the grand vision, I think, of, yeah. uh, of technology at this point in time is how we use the yeah. machines to help us. And, and if you think about it, um, everyone right now is talking about SD-WAN. In some sense of the word, SD-WAN is a bit like automation. Mm -hmm. You're automatically choosing the best performing uplink. Right. So it's really the first step of possibly many steps towards truly making a network uh, self-driving and self-healing. Mm. That's an interesting way to think about it. 
This is fascinating. I, I think uh, Meraki Insight sounds like, uh, you know, it's a tool that that's probably going to be valuable to any Meraki customer. Uh, and so I'm imagining there are quite a few out there who maybe haven't used it up till now. What's the best way to, to learn more about the products, the details of it, and maybe even take it for a spin? Absolutely. So uh, the best way is to visit Meraki.com. Cisco.meraki.com mm -hmm. and it's meraki.cisco.com. I know it's a tongue twister. Meraki.cisco.com. Apologies, I, <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, and there is uh, sign up for one of our webinars. Uh, and there is obviously a, a, a whole lot of very interesting use cases on our website as well. Uh, but really, a webinar will get you as a as a new customer up to speed on all the interesting things, all the various different possibilities uh, that. Meraki Insight can help you with. Right. And um, you can sign up online for a trial. Uh, our reps are, we have, I always like to say we have a world-class team, uh, a world-class sales team. They'll be in touch with you ASAP and they'll be able to set you up with a with a trial and you'll be able to, to um, experience the power of Meraki Insight firsthand within your own deployment. Love it. Love it, and and it sounds like you know if you haven't tried this already, I, I think I think something like Meraki Insights, as Shashwat has has focused on so much, is really trying to make sure the end user experience is as good as it can be. That's a fantastic goal for anybody who works in IT, and so trying it out, I think that's one of the things we're a big fan of here, right? We love to get the products in people's hands so they can try them out for themselves, so that you don't have to listen to us talking about them. You can actually see how it's uh, making a difference for you as well. So you've potentially got loads more feedback from. Uh, from all podcast listeners who are going to rush off and start their Meraki Insight trial, I'm sure. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's the classic Meraki story of uh, try before you buy. There we are. That's a nice place to wrap it up. Um, although this isn't meant to be a sales pitch, folks, right? So we're, we're, yeah. we wanted to have a chat about Meraki Insight. I think it's uh, it's one of the more interesting products in the portfolio, especially for sort of long long tenured uh, network engineers who you know used to break fix reality and that is still the case for so many uh, network operators and engineers out there uh, to, to think about how the technology is going to help us to evolve this over time Shashwat, thanks a lot for for joining us today and uh, nathan as well we did a fantastic job i think uh, getting through this today uh, so we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us, taking some time out of your day to join us on the Meraki Unboxed podcast. We do this, we aim to do this at least once every two weeks and uh, more if we can. And we're trying to alternate the content as much as we can to keep it interesting and evolving for you uh, along the content of, uh, along the topics of the technical side of things, uh, but also how we do things here at Cisco Meraki. And I think we've wrapped both of those pretty successfully into this episode. So I hope you found it uh, useful and interesting. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, do reach out with your feedback. Remember, community.meraki.com, or you can ping me online at Meraki Simon. I'd be super happy to hear from you. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.